So let me take you guys in here. Ooh, is this Wedgeland? This is Wedgeland. Ah, oh, cool. Now, it's just stepping up into the back of the trailer. Okay. That's a grinder, everybody. Whoa. Hey everyone, welcome to the Golfer's Journal podcast. I'm Tom Coyne, and you were just listening to some serious grinding coming out of the uh, Titleist Tour trailer. I was fortunate enough to get to poke around there during the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. So on today's pod, we're going to take you into the truck. Uh, we're going to pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes, give you the chance to walk around with me as I pull open drawers and look at club heads and watch a tour caddy come in to get worked on on a player's club and, and basically do my best to not steal anything the whole way around. So I was a guest in the truck of Aaron Dill. Now, if you don't know Aaron's name, you may have seen his wedge work on Instagram where he does custom stampings and really cool sort of creative grinds for all the tour players that are using Titleist wedges. And the week we visited that the players... That was actually half the field. He's a protege of Bob Vokey, which is a name you almost certainly know. And Aaron lives on this trailer for 40 weeks a year, where he's responsible for tailoring players' wedges down to a tenth of a degree of what they're looking for. It was an incredibly cool process to get to watch, to get into Aaron's head a little bit, to get into the players' heads a little bit about what they were looking for in the conditions at TPC Sawgrass. So when I visited Aaron, I met him on the range. He was really busy bouncing around to different players. This was Tuesday before the tournament. And he was going around and collecting wedges and seeing what players wanted in terms of their grinds and their bounce for that week's conditions. But once he got finished making the rounds, he said, hey, c you know, come back, meet me by the truck. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely into that. So I wandered across the range, you know, Spieth and Sergio there warming up, work my way back, go across the bridge to one of the other courses at Sawgrass to where all the tour trailers were parked. And my gosh, it looked like the greatest golf tailgate party in history. I mean, every brand's trailer is there. They're all like shoulder to shoulder. Um, Aaron invited me inside to the Titleist truck. And I'll tell you, like going up those steps, it was honestly totally goosebumps being, you know, this equipment lover junkie that I am. It was sort of a trip into Wonka's factory. And I had to do my best to keep from turning into Augustus Gloop and stuffing my pockets with stuff. I mean, every drawer, and there were hundreds of drawers, held these new wonders of shafts and club heads and grips and putter covers and all sorts of different doodads that I didn't even know what they did, but they just looked incredibly cool. It was like the greatest golf shop imaginable stuffed into a trailer home. Uh, it was total golf nerd heaven. And today we're going to take you there with me. Now, before we jump back into the truck, just want to thank everyone who came out to our launch parties for number seven, and I hope everyone's enjoying the new issue. I, I, I think it's great. I also want to thank the folks who make the Golfer's Journal and this podcast possible, and that is certainly you, the listeners and the subscribers. Thanks for being a part of this, and if you don't subscribe, please do, because it lets us do what we're doing. Also, big thanks to our six faithful sponsors, Scotty Cameron, Link Soul Titleist, New York Private Bank and Trust, Oakley, and Links and Kings. Now stay tuned at the end for exciting news about an upcoming Golfer's Journal meetup. And remember to follow us at Golfer's Journal and follow me at CoinWriter. So now let's get back in the truck with Titleist wedge guru, Aaron Dill. We got a grinder going. We got a saw over here. They won't even run if you don't have the ventilation going. That's Correct. that's. This is some high-tech safetiness. Well, I remember when I first got into golf, 
nobody had ventilation in their shops. So when I first started making clubs, you would, at the end of the day, and I hate this sounds awful, but at the end of the day, you'd, you'd go and you'd wash your hands, you'd, you'd blow your nose, oh, and, yeah. and you'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? I've got to wear a mask or something, because this is so bad. You'd, you'd be amazed how much floats around if you don't have ventilation. So, you know, the, the, again, they're very serious about those kinds of things. <laughs> well, we are well ventilated, and uh, wow, the machinery, unbelievable. Where we do things really well is we service differently than everybody else. I don't tell anybody no. I mean, I, I do it in respectful ways, but for the most part, we hopefully have an answer to every wedge issue that these guys face. And a lot of these other companies and other bands, you know, their, their focuses are, are elsewhere. No disrespect to them, but woods are more interesting. Putters are more interesting. And wedges just kind of we sneak under the radar a little bit. But you'll see. So you got 50% of the players this week are playing a Titleist wedge? Yep. And so when we look at inventory, Boom. We will carry. Boom. Drawer after drawer of wedges. Holy, it doesn't end. So this is. What? These are all different families. You have all the wedges. Yeah, these are all different families. Two finishes, so raw and TC. But there are some guys who just, they, they, they get a wedge, they fall in love with the wedge, and we don't want to break that connection. If I can beat the wedge with something current that is better, we're going to do that. But for some guys, they have this superstitious approach to how they select certain clubs, and I want to be respectful of that. You know, we have to at some stage just say, hey, it's time to make a change because we're not ordering it anymore or whatever that might be. But we have all these things at our disposal to, to get guys in a, in a comfortable place where they can be successful out here. And we have to carry a lot. So our conversion rate right now is probably somewhere in the, on our new stuff of SM7, we're probably looking in the 70 to 75 plus range in conversion. So the majority of you guys are using something new. We always try and get that higher. But for those for those few guys who don't want to do that, we, we have other Yeah, wedge things. is a very personal thing. But to get 75% to come over to a new product, that's pretty... I mean, that would never happen with a putter. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, we're, we're proud of that. And, and that's the one cool thing about our team. Our team's really small. And uh, I think there's four of us. So Bob Oki, myself, Kevin Sisistro, Ron Hettinger. This little four-man team of ours is really impressive. And, of course, Mr. Jeremy Stone. Five of us, we're, we're really we're cool. I, I feel like we're the Beatles. You know, we've got... You've got guys in the band who are all really good at what they do and compliment each other, but our team's small. It's intimate, and when we when we get together, it's not like there's 20 of us sitting in a room fighting over how we change score lines. It's it's five of us sitting down, just talking, figuring out things. How do we get better? And every line we do it, every line that we make is always a little bit better than the last. So it's always fun to to tell that story. I'm happy to be number six anytime. <laughs> if you want to get, the, let's make the band Come a little bigger. Come on in. <laughs> this is heaven for a golf head. It's cool, when Dave designs these vans, there's a reason behind everything. As we go through the cabin tree, you'll see everything fits perfectly. The, the tour allows us to have only so big of a space. So what we do have, we need to make it functional, we need to make it efficient. And that's where you guys will see like, oh my gosh, these shafts fit perfectly inside these little spots and these grips fit perfectly inside these spots. There's yeah. a reason. We work with the guys to make sure that's the case. So yeah, so the van is absolutely tailored to what you need to be out here, but what your players are, are playing as well. and Yeah, exactly. We've learned over phenomenal. the years that, that in order to make golf clubs, there are key things you need to have inside your van. That's the materials to make the clubs. That's the components to build the clubs and the machinery to build the clubs. How do you fiddle that stuff in a small space and have enough room for 14 bodies? This is what you got to make. You, yeah. have to, you have to make a trailer like this. So 
I'll show you guys it's around. It's a thing of beauty. It is a great van. And it's funny, when you go into our van and then you go to the other vans, you go, this van over here looks just like the Titleist van. And so does this one. And so does this one. When we build a trailer, a lot of our competitors come in and bring their cameras and they mm. take pictures and they go, wow, I like this idea. Like so this number one. one in golf for more than just golf balls. Trailers too, folks. <laughs> We're number one in trailers. Uh, <laughs> so over here, you're actually in the Scotty Cameron section. We call this the, the, the hey, putter, Scotty. putter spa. He's got the putter studio, the putter gallery. We call this the putter spa uh, <laughs> just, just for fun. But he's got tons and tons of stock products here on the van. Uh, it could be mallets, blades, and then he's got some exotic cool stuff too. You know, some of your 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 fancier pieces that are out of German stainless steel or some of the 009 models and so on. So he's got some of that cool stuff too. But if you look inside, yeah, I see some. Whoa, that's a lot of grips. Oh, those head covers are gorgeous. Oh my gosh, I got to take a picture of that. If you're a Scotty fan, everybody's like, just I have to tell a lot of <laughs> I tell a lot of guys. Put your hands in your pockets. You know, I can tell your kids, you know, oh, you're not allowed to touch anything. One. <laughs> that is a beautiful, it's the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. So, and then in here, this is cool too because you've got more covers, but what yeah. you have in here you've got really interesting pieces that guys can go, hey, you know what, I, I like my stock mallet, but, you know, kind of, I'm kind of feeling something different this week. Maybe I want to do something something tricked out, something unique, something special. And you can come in here and sometimes you'll find some really cool pieces like all, you know, something all black. Or you Is might anyone find... using that? Because I'll... <laughs> you have a lot in there, Aaron. I know, there's a lot. I mean, of... there's too many. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And, and that's, you know, we're fortunate. We've got a lot of guys who love our product. You know, Scotty's obviously the leader in putters. And he does an amazing job of, uh, of keeping our stuff interesting keeping it classic, keeping it classy. He's a great ambassador for us, so we're, we're thrilled to have his stuff. But they've got their loft and mine machine here. You'll see as we go through the van, a lot of our machinery here is proprietary. We make it at Titleist. Mm -hmm. Our team does a great job of working with our engineering department and saying, hey, we, we need to build this type of machine for the van. We need it this size. Those guys do an amazing job of building something for us, and then the process is just kind of bringing it in here, using it, changing it, bringing it back in, and so on until the final product is good. But this machine's great, checks lofts and lies for us. And then as we make our way this way, we start working our way into workstation one and two. Basically these sides mirror one another. So as we go through, you'll see, you've got all your key little pieces. Whoa, that's a lot of doodads. You've got different weights for our drivers, our flat weights, okay. our bullet weights. You've got weights for irons. You've got the different ferrules, the different coupling systems, the sleeves for all of our, all of our metal woods. You know, all these little pieces, it's funny, when I first started making woods, you just basically put it through a bore through and you grind off the end and then you cut it to length and that's it. You know, right. and now we've come so far where we can take these little bullets and we can weight up drivers. We can inject weight into a driver to change sound, to change how the ball flies, to change everything. You know, it's it's become a really interesting specialized piece. These are all the little components we use. Shafts. And then we have shafts. Now the cool thing is is that there's so many brands out here that support the PJ Tour. You've got all the different brands, but every brand has a catalog of shafts that are different in some way. So it could be weighting, it could be flex, it could be the, the bend profiles, it could be the torque. So all these things are changing. Hey Austin. Hi. Alright, so Caddy just joined us. Sorry, is it Austin? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Tom Coyne, Golfer's Journal. Oh, nice. Alright, man. How are you? What'd you bring in? Xander Shoffley. Ah, so what's yeah. Xander got going on? He's got 61. We're just looking at the little toe. There's a little toe mark on it right now. We're going to buff it off, but right. he doesn't like changing his wedges too much, so 
we try to keep them as long as we can, you know, in as good a shape as we can. So, so but, if he keeps them a long time, I mean, do the grooves stay? They do. It's, I mean, usually, I mean, Aaron Dill's great with kind of like fixing up wedges and cleaning them up. But we try to, I mean, we probably change maybe three times a year wedges. And a lot of pros will do it, you know, every other month or... But we just tend to see, he likes, you know, he's kind of a feel player, so he wants to feel the same same thing, especially on big weeks like this. You don't want to change too much, you know. Yeah, for sure. So. All right, I'm going to go see what Aaron's doing with Xander's wedge. I'm going to see if he's taking proper care. So walking to the back of the truck here. What would you do there, Aaron? There was just a little nick that looks like he made some contact and it pushed some of the metal up. So we just smoothed that out and softened it for him. Good? Yeah. It looks like better than new. Man, if every time I had a miss hit or like left a sky mark or something on my one of my clubs, if I could come to a truck, <laughs> I would feel really. <laughs> that's amazing. Simple just come in stuff. here, get it fixed, and uh, better than new. Yeah. So then back over here, I'll just kind of give you an idea. Yeah. Again, so it's Shaft Central over tons here. Tons and tons of different shafts. You name the brand, it's in here, and these shafts rotate often. As as soon as somebody brings out something new. They bring it in here for us to stock and store. Mm -hmm. They obviously want that product to, to find its way out to the range instead of a tour player's bag. So all this stuff is available to them. Now what Dave has on his side is different than what Pete has on his side. Because there's so many options, this inventory is different than what's on the other side so these guys can have everything in the van at their disposal. Now if they don't have it, they can make a quick phone call and a rep will bring something by and, and we're all set to go. So you got eight drawers of shafts on this side, eight drawers of shafts on that side. Correct. Yeah, no shortage of shafts going on yeah, in here. Tons and tons of stuff. You've got the shaft. We have headstock in here. This includes drivers, fairway woods, hybrids. Oh, beautiful. Um, so we keep all of our stuff in here. I like to think of this van as like sort of a, a high-end custom kitchen. Nothing is pre-made. It's all fresh. We always start from scratch because everybody wants something different. So whatever the components are will dictate how that club is built based on the weight, the, the bend points, the torques, the sound, the way the ball curves in the air, and so on. So everything these guys are trying to get is made custom. Fantastic. And then you've got grips. And again, you look at the cabinets, you go, wow, those grips fit perfectly inside each spot. And that's no accident, we I imagine. Different textures, rubber, cord, different brands. We try and keep, again, as much as we can, including inside these cabinets. There's a lot of stock. I mean, you fit like the coolest PGA Superstore in the space of a, a trailer. It's, we, <laughs> you know, with way more than they would even have. We, we try. We, we certainly try. Yeah. And then here, you've got uh, your grip station. So a lot of our machinery, again, it's all about safety. So this machine is guided with air. We've got compressed air that actually creates the clamp. Once that's in the clamp like so, we have odorless mineral spirits that come out of this little hose. That mineral spirit is going to go through a filter. It can be reused over and over again until it gets to a point where it changes color or it evaporates and we don't have as much in the tank then we have to replenish it or, or restock. So wow. we do lots and lots of grips. That's a big part of this big part of this van is we see the majority of our work resides in grips, lofts and lies, little things to make sure these guys are prepared for the week. That's amazing. I mean, I spent all my summers regripping golf clubs in the basement of my golf club, and it didn't look like this, Aaron. No. It was uh, a razor blade trying not to cut my fingers off, and now you've got, like, the mnemonic finger recognition locking the thing up, and it's amazing. Wow.
pretty pretty cool. We're pretty very cool. Fortunate. I mean, you can probably bang out a set and how quickly. Well, Peter, it's funny. Peter, the technician out here, we we goof off a lot in this van when it's when we have some downtime, and sometimes we challenge ourselves to see how fast we can build sets of clubs. We built a set of irons in 16 minutes one time. Get out. It was so fun. Aaron, I have 18 minutes right now, just free. <laughs> so, and I would love to. Uh, no, I won't put you to the challenge if you can build me some clubs. But in any event. So this is our. Our loft and light machine. Now this is interesting. Everybody's just wow. saying a Mitchell machine. But what makes this machine really special is this machine eliminates the human element of loft and light adjustment. So on a Mitchell machine, there are certain things you have to pay attention to to make sure that the numbers you get are accurate. Now the way I measure something on a Mitchell might be different than you. And a half degree is noticeable by a tour player in great amounts. You know, these guys can tell you not only visually but in performance that the loft and lies are off. They'll say, hey, it's a little flat, it's a little upright. But without even checking it on a machine, they could they can pick that up. So what's cool about this machine is that I can put it inside the machine, lock it in place. This machine looks at the score lines, measures how far off zero it is, recalibrates itself, and then you can check lofts and lies and make adjustments based on that. So wow. it takes away the, the, the mistakes and errors that we make as humans. It just allows you to get the same numbers regardless of who's using the machine. Yeah, because I'm looking at a computer screen here that's going to give me, that's going to spit out the loft and live, I guess, whatever you put in here, right? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, definitely a lot more efficient than the old way. Yes. So, for sure. So, again, one of our one of our great tools that we use on this fan every week. We are very serious about specs. We don't want tolerances. We want to be able to hit numbers every single time. And that's where machines like this are really valuable for us and for our players. Is we can give them a set of clubs knowing that they are exactly where they're supposed to be. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's why they play Titleist, right? That's right. Mr. Vokey and I, we are we are lucky to have this room. We, for years, have been making a lot of noise in this van, and I think we finally irritated enough people where they said, we're going to put you in the front of the trailer, we're going to give you doors, and uh, we're going to let you guys do what you need to do. Because we use the grinder a lot. It's a it's an essential part of our job to, to polish and shape wedges into something that fits a player's needs, the golf course needs, and some of the personal touches that players are just looking for visually, we use that grinder to achieve that. And then we also stamp as well. So there's a lot of stuff in here that makes a lot of noise, and we don't want to disrupt what they're doing in there. So they said, hey, we're going to put you in the nose, and we're going to separate you from uh, from the main work. Yeah, do you notice how quiet it got back here? I mean, you are like, sound. this is like the soundproof booth in the back, <laughs> which is cool. That's right. And yeah, you've got the big grinder there. So when a player comes in, what's he looking for, you know, what are you giving him? You just cleaned up a wedge with one of those, but what's a player looking for with that machine? Can you give them less bounce? Can you give them... What this machine does for us, the grinding machine, is this shapes profile. It shapes leading edges. It changes the soles to, to create bounces for, for any condition you need. So whether or not we're on the west coast at Riviera and it's tight and it's dry and we're trying to take bounce off, or we're in West Palm Beach at the Honda and we are in this grainy, sandy soiled Bermuda, guys need more bounce we can make adjustments for that and then venues like the open championship where it's going to be baked out and crispy and we need to have the lowest bounce we can possibly have that's where the grinders come into play but the cool thing are the little touches you know like i'll give you some examples like jimmy walker jimmy walker's a great example of a guy who says i want square leading edges and square toes and that's visually what i'm looking for and then you have somebody like jordan spieth who says hey my 46 through 56 i just like them standard but my 60, I want it to look really small. So we have to actually shrink mm. his profile, and that's where these wheels come into play is we, we can do that. You know, that's the cool thing. That is the one thing, and I've been telling guys this for years, they always say, how did you, why did you settle on wedges? Why do you like wedges so much? Because it's the one bag, or one club in the bag that you can make 
into anything you want it to be. You can't shape a driver. Right. You can't shape an iron. Basically, what you see is what you get. You can change some things, but with wedges, I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that it's so personal, and you can shape it into anything, and it, and it is like a piece of art. How are you making a 60-degree <laughs> wedge smaller? Well, I'll give you an example. So here's, here's your general profile, right? This is what we're used to seeing when you, when you go into a golf store. Right. All of our stuff on this van is basically stock until we say otherwise. When we talk about shrinking profiles, we'll actually take, and I learned this from, from Mr. Vokey a long time ago, was he would take a wedge and he'd set it on a, on a flat surface with a piece of paper, and he would take a pen and he would draw the shape. And you take it off and you'd have this profile drawing. He'd be like, okay, that's where we started. And then you'd say, okay, where do we want to focus? Do we want to square this? Do we want to, do we want to round this, etc." So for Jordan, we take this section here. This is what we call the par area, which is just below the bottom of the hosel mm -hmm. on the top line. And we bring that down and we shrink it. We keep grinding here. So we're pushing this line down closer wow. and closer and closer. So essentially what ends up happening is that when you put it back on the profile, you can see this line yeah, that it's got in great detail. It's like it's just you can see that everything's gotten smaller. And he'll tell you, Jordan will say, "Hey, I want it to look small. That's just what I'm looking for." There's no reason why he's wrong or right. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's visually what he's attracted to, and that's a big thing for us. Is how do we build a relationship with a golf club? We do it through beauty. If there's a visual connection we have, like it, like anybody in a golf store, they they pick up a club and put it down. And they go, "That one looks awesome." This one doesn't, you know, and that's where they start. But regardless of the performance, they go. That's what I'm talking of course, about. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how we'll shrink it. That's I'm a lot of grinding, man, to shrink a golf club. I mean, how long? It can be. You know, it doesn't. It, I remember the first few times I worked on it, it took some time because you, yeah, you want it to look perfect. But over time, as you as you get to know the machine, things go a little faster. You you become a little bit smarter with how you polish. It's not about just grinding. It's about grinding with purpose. You know, why am I grinding and can I make that change without taking off a lot of weight? You know, you have to just get used to using the wheels. It's phenomenal. So speaking of, you know, a thing of beauty, one of the things you're known for is your creativity with the way the wedges look, you know, the customization in terms of the stamping. So I'm looking over here, I see a lot of beautiful colors. They're all, the, all the colors of the rainbow are there. So that's, I imagine, for your stamping. Yeah, you know, I, we started stamping a long, long time ago. And I remember coming into Bob's studio and Back then, stamping really wasn't a big deal. It was, you know, initials or it was, you know, something along those lines. It was more like a, like a hey, this set's for so-and-so. And so it was really simple. It's just Adam Scott's AS. But over the years, as golf has become more and more interesting, as we've learned that customization is a, is a really important thing for us, I try and encourage guys over the years, hey, let's do something fun and different, you know. And it all started a long time ago when I was working with Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler and I would sit there and we'd, we'd joke about, stuff we'd be talking about whatever and at the time like one great story is uh we were sitting there at a table i don't remember where we were i think we were in new jersey or new york or somewhere we're sitting there chatting and um at the time this song came out it was by carly ray jepson called call me maybe i don't oh. know if you guys remember that song heard of it yeah and we were giggling about that song and you know none of us would, would admit like we all love that song because it was That's so catchy at the time you know for sure and we were talking about it and i said it'd be funny to stamp that on a wedge he's like yeah that would be hilarious let's do that so we stamped that on one of the wedges and then the, on the other one we stamped uh, Justin Bieber fan club VP and it was on just, Ricky's wedges yeah and it was just at the time it was just, it was hysterical it was more about just it was for a good laugh you know and, yeah. and, it, and, and it got a lot of attention it ended up getting in the newspaper and that's kind of where you know where, where I walked away from that moment I was like whoa you know we can really do something cool with this yeah. and so we, we changed it up it became it went from initials to song lyrics movie quotes 
birth dates. We even have like for a couple guys, they want to know when the wedge's life began. So we do what we call a born on date. Ah, we're okay. all stamped the date it was it was built. Because a lot of guys like Bill Haas will tell you, hey, I've had these wedges in the bag. I don't even know how long I've had them on there. So we stamp on there the date of when that wedge was made. That way, when it comes time to make a change, we have an idea of when it started its life. And then we can we can end it and bring in something different. So, you know, things like that. We just try and keep it creative. And some guys, you know, they do something as as far as latitude, longitude dates that that you know were important dates in their lives. Their children's, yeah, yeah. you know, where are their where are their children born? Where did you get married? Where where were you? Where did you meet your spouse? And so on. So, you know, little things like that are super cool. And we love to tell a story around that. So, and I use the paints to to do whatever the guys want to do you know yeah. like like the valspar chameleon we did a long time ago which was which was super cool we i made a chameleon on there and then i gave it all the different colors to to give it the valspar touch how it's do you just, do a chameleon i mean i understand stamping letters is one thing but so are you grinding you know that's a, that's artwork right that's, some would say that uh, for me it's for me it's more for fun yeah you know i, I, I think it's great uh you know at that time Robert Streb, one of our staffers, he's been great about just kind of giving me creative freedom to do whatever I want to do. And at that time, he goes, I don't care what you do, just do something fun. And we were at the Valspar, and I said, I was thinking about that commercial of the two chameleons, and they're talking about painkillers and whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I thought it was just funny. But a lot of times for me, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to do those things. You know, I don't, have, I don't have two hours to sit there and design a stamp or do the stamp. I have 15 minutes, so it's got to be fast because these yeah. guys want to get it out there and play it. So... I'll usually look at a photo, I'll map out how I want to stamp something, and then I'll stamp it. And then the paint process usually is the longest part of it. It's just getting that paint on the metal, letting it dry, wiping it off, and so on. So when you're stamping, are you like stamp, 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 or are you kind of grinding in with some sort of metal no, grinder? So, or? so if you look down here, you've got all your different stamps. For so really, there's your letters. The, yeah, so I've got them in different sizes. You've got them as small as 1 with these little tiny guys. Okay. Up to a quarter. Right. So, one-eighths is our standard size. But I don't see a chameleon. Well, the chameleon is custom. <laughs> yeah, how do you it's do that bit? It's actually made with this individual pin. Ah, so you go around and, and create the... Yeah. Okay, got so, it. That's what I was... Uh... Yeah, so you, so you create the artwork. No, you... that's some serious art to be able to make a picture just, you know, banging that in yeah, to it's... some metal. It's fun. It's a neat little hobby I get when it's when cool. it's not so busy that I have a free moment to, to do it. I'll do it. But again, it all comes down to you know the most important thing is making sure that these guys have tools they need to be successful. For sure. You know the stamping is obviously secondary to that. If, if I'm home and I have more free time, then we'll get really crazy out there. And then, this is all another great venue where we did the 17th hole here on a wedge. Oh, did you? Yeah, and that was fun too. Another one of Robert Streb's little gems he's probably got. Oh, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, so we, we just try to make it fun. I, I understand, first and foremost, this is a job. You know, my job is to help these guys be successful. This is just a, a fun thing to do after. So being successful this week, what are guys going to be coming and looking for, do you think? So we're at the players at Sawgrass. Yep. What do you anticipate? What's going going to be going down in the wedge room? Well, I think this is, this is interesting this week because we haven't been – this early in the season in a long time so the golf course is a little different than what guys would typically see at the players from year to year usually it's it's hot it's dry this week it's it's cooler greens and stuff are a little bit softer there's more moisture in the ground i think guys are saying that um a lot of the bounces that they brought here from previous weeks are probably pretty good spin might not be something they're trying to get 
only because it seems like there's like there's just softer conditions than what we typically would see. So some guys are getting new new grooves this week. Some guys I haven't seen in a long time. Some international guys, so it's cool to reconnect with them. And then some guys are just experimenting. You know, just getting used to the grounds out here, trying some different bounces. You know, we have some guys going in different directions. Some guys want more bounce. Some guys want less bounce. And just we're working together to try and understand what that right connection is because not everybody wants the same things. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just kind of getting out there doing some Q&A, hitting some shots, and then building something based off what the golf course and their needs are. So when we talk about wedges, the thing, that, the word that comes up is bounce, right? You know, and as a wedge designer, you know, for, and well, just to describe to people what bounce actually is, if they don't know, you know, it's that angle, that extra bit underneath the wedge. Yeah, for us as, as golf club builders or wedge engineers, you know, we're looking at three really important things, which is how wide the sole is, how tall it is, and what the bounce angles are with a protractor. So you can actually physically measure what that number is, and that gives you a, a good story of, or a, or a baseline of what you're going to be getting from that club in, in most conditions. Now for us, we always want to tell the story, like if you look at our soles and you look at the numbers, it's the loft and then the bounce underneath. Right. That bounce number is not the sole angle. That bounce number is what you should experience around the greens in different situations. Okay. Right. We don't want to confuse guys and say, hey, this is what the bounce number is. Because if you were to measure some of our parts. And That's you, what it, I've heard, that it, that number's never really accurate right. to what, what, if you measured it. Like if you said, all right, ooh, I'm, I've got six degrees of bounce. Look at me, I'm a player. Probably more like ten, but yeah. it depends. But it would play maybe like six. Correct. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that we we don't want to scare some guys away because in actuality, right, if right. you were to measure some of our parts, like our Wedgeworks V is a fifty degree or a twenty degree measured forward bounce. If I put twenty on that club, nobody would ever play it. Exactly. It's, twenty is this massive number that would scare some guys away. Right. So that's really not the story we want to tell. We but wanna, we need bounce. We do. Whether we believe want to, we, we do. want to accept that or not. And Bob Vokey would tell you bounce is your friend. And I would completely agree with that statement. I would also add to it that finding the right bounce is your mm -hmm. friend. Not everybody needs high bounce. Not everybody needs low bounce. There's an experimental thing that I think everybody who's purchasing a wedge or trying a wedge needs to understand is that you've got to try them all to understand which one best fits you. Yeah. Yeah, just walking into a store and saying, hey, I want the mid-bounce and everything is, is not the right approach. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people are now accustomed. Everyone gets fit for a driver. People are starting to get fit for putters or, you know, always got fit for irons. Getting fit for wedges, that's probably the public are probably buying that more off the rack still than maybe some of the other clubs. But in terms of doing a wedge fitting, what does a wedge fitting entail? For me, a wedge fitting is is not a complicated process. You know, I think it's it's an examination of yourself, of your conditions, of, of your skill. You know, and I try and tell guys, listen, if you if you have a chance to get a wedge fitting, I highly, highly recommend you do it. I highly recommend that you try everything that you can, all the different grinds, to truly understand what feels right and fits you. Because I think a lot of times when we fit players, they walk away with something very different than what they came with because they just never had the chance to try anything. Find a PGA Pro in your area that is good at wedge fitting. Find a, a venue or a place where they've got good grass, decent golf balls. We've got some programs like our, uh, our Titleist Thursdays that you can look up on titles.com you can find a place where you can meet one of our reps okay. and that product they have all those wedges you can try them out but i tell guys hey hit them all understand yeah. what you need and there are a couple things that i would probably tell guys is try a little bit less loft i think that we are so used to and i will admit i've done this before a million times is i grew up using a 60 right and i was always 52 56 60 and i did that for a long time yeah that's what i am not paying but well, you know you just you're in, like 
you're just used to it. It's just what you right. do. Not paying attention to the fact that the industry is making everything stronger. All the irons are getting stronger. You know, when I first started, the pitching wedges were 48 degrees. Right. And right. now some of them are as strong as 43. And my set makeup on my wedge end is the same. So now I've got this huge gap between my pitching wedge and my, my first wedge. And so I'll tell a lot of guys, hey, be aware that your pitching wedge is probably stronger than you think, and everything needs to work alongside it. So you gotta you got to bring all those wedges closer to your iron set. That's um, a great point. I think it is, too, and a lot of guys don't think about that. Yeah. The other thing is that loft, a lot of loft is, is difficult to use. You know, We assume that lots of loft is a helpful thing. It's, a, it's an advantage. But when you have a lot of loft, you have to be very precise with your delivery mm-hmm. in order to get good launch and good spin numbers. Yeah, to get any club face. Right? Yeah, and we see a lot of guys, especially tour players, that are more successful in a lot of situations using their sand wedge over their lob wedge. Mm-hmm. So we try and encourage that as well. So, so you see guys more going like 58-ish in there? or Yeah, we see know. a lot of 50, 54, 58s. Uh, yeah, I like it. We still see some 56, 60s. It just depends on the player. But, you know, try them all. Yeah. Try some stronger lofts. Make sure you get fit. And I think that that's really a great way to get things started. Phenomenal. Aaron, yeah. I can't thank you enough for your time today. You got it. Here at the Players' Championship to give us time in the van. This has just been a thrill to, to see this environment. What a cool place to work, and you guys do magical stuff. So thanks so much for the time. You got it. So I hope you enjoyed that walk around the Titleist tour truck as much as I did. Big thanks to Aaron Dill for giving us some time. Before we go, I just wanted to share exciting news about our Punta Mita meetup. It's scheduled for November 7th to 10th. It is three days and three nights of unlimited golf, food, drinks, sun, sand, and friends, of course. Now, the meetup is going to become an annual event for the Broken Tea Society members, a.k.a. you golfers, journal subscribers. And it's going to focus on fun and relaxation and just, you know, hanging out with like-minded golfers. I'm going to be there. I can't wait. You know, and I plan a lot of golf trips where I study and sweat the details and study architecture and, and, and really go overboard on it. This isn't one of those trips. This is a just show up and relax trip. Uh, and enjoy one another, enjoy the golf, enjoy the sun, enjoy the sand. We celebrate all sorts of golf here at the Golfer's Journal, so sometimes it's not so bad to just slow down a little bit. So that's the plan for this November in Punta Mita, Mexico. We only have room for 30 subscribers, so go to the Golfer's Journal website and sign up now. Thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, keep it where the mowers go.